الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد شيخ الإسلام ابن القيم رحمه الله تعالى He says, الذكر والشكر مبنى الدين على قائدتين ومبنى الدين على قائدتين الذكر والشكر He said that the basis of the religion is built upon two principles or the building of the religion is based upon two principles الذكر والشكر the remembrance of Allah and showing gratitude to Allah and then he mentioned the statement of Allah Azawajal فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ وَاشْكُرُوا لِي وَلَا تَكْفُرُونَ therefore remember me and I will remember you and be grateful to me and do not be ungrateful. He mentions the narration where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he stated to Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu an Ya Mu'ad Wallahi inni la'uhibbuk fillah O Mu'ad indeed I love you for the sake of Allah فَلَا تَنْسَى أَن تَقُولُ دُبْرَ قُلِّ الصَّلَاةِ اللَّهُمَّ أَعِنِّي عَلَى ذِكْرِكَ وَالشُّكْرِكَ وَالْحُسْنِ إِبَادَتِي So he said to Mu'adh O Mu'adh indeed I love you for the sake of Allah So do not forget to say at the end of every salah O Allah Aid me upon remembering you Aid me upon being grateful to you And aid me upon worshipping you in a good manner This narration here The Prophet ﷺ he mentioned to Mu'adh Oh Mu'adh indeed I love you for the sake of Allah And this is from the deen When you love someone for Allah's sake that you inform them that you love them for the sake of Allah Azawajal and loving someone for the sake of Allah has signs it's not just something that a person says with the tongue but when you truly love someone for the sake of Allah Azawajal then it is a religious love which has religious benefits and here the Prophet ﷺ loving Mu'ad for the sake of Allah led him to give Mu'ad this beautiful advice he said do not forget to say at the end of every prayer 
The end of the prayer is divided into two categories. The end of the prayer before you taslim, after the tashahud, and the end of the prayer which is after the taslim. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Saleh al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah, he mentions a principle. Whenever you see in the ahadith, adhkar being mentioned to be said at the end of the prayer, then what's intended by the end of the prayer here is after the prayer. Adhkar, words of dhikr. But whenever you see dua being mentioned to be made at the end of the prayer, then what's intended is after the tashahud before you make the taslim. Dhikr. Dhikr. It's real simple. Dhikr. After the salat. Dua. Before the end of the salat. Before the end of the salat, this is the time when you make dua. Because the dua more than likely is answered at this time along with when a person is in sujood, when a person is in salat. That's dua. Because it's dua. Oh Allah, I aid me. Oh Allah, I ask you to aid me. This is the dua asking for something. The, dhikr before, the dua is before the testing and the dhikr is after. Because what did the Prophet used to do? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. That's dhikr. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalal wa ikram. That's dhikr. Subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. That's dhikr. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's dhikr. Allahu Akbar. That's dhikr. La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la lahu mulku lahu hamuhu ala kuli shayin qadir. That's dhikr. So Shaykh Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala he mentions that when you see in the narrations dua being mentioned to be made at the end of the salat what's intended here is after the tashahud before the taslim because this is the time in the prayer when the dua is answered because the Prophet mentioned to one of the companions that after he makes the tashahud ask for whatever you wish to ask for Showing that this is a time when you to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the salat. And also the Prophet mentioned that the closest that a servant is to his Lord in the salat is when he's in sujood. So this is another time when a person should make dua. As for when a person ends the salat and then raises up his hands to make dua in the after the taslim then we do not find that the Prophet ﷺ did this. Rather, the Prophet ﷺ himself busied himself with the adhkar. And he taught the companions to make the adhkar. Look what Abdullah ibn Abbas anhuma, he stated that he knew that the salah was over when he was young, when he would come to the masjid, he, would, he knew that the salat was over because of the takbir. And not that people were in the masjid of the Prophet saying, takbir. And the sahaba was saying, Allahu Akbar, takbir. And he, that's how they knew the salat was over. What's intended here by the takbir, 
uh, the scholars have two interpretations. One interpretation is that when the salah is over, you say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Or what's intended by the takbir here is the general athkar. But the word takbir was mentioned here because the athkar are legislated for the purpose of magnifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah, he is saying, مَبْنَ الدِّينَ ala qa'idatain That the building, or the basis of the religion is upon two principles, al-dhikr wa dua And both we have connected to the salat. Both we have connected to the prayer. There's dhikr in the salat. You say, Subhana Rabbi al-Azim. That's dhikr. Right? Subhan Rabbi al-A'la Right? Sami'a Allahu liman hamila Rabbana walaka alhamd It's dhikr Right? Then you have the dua that you make when you're in sujood Or either in the jalsa Allahumma gfirli Oh Allah forgive me Right? Right? Allahumma This is dua So throughout the salah there's dhikr in dua and the salah is the basis of the deen after the two testimonies of faith. So here the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, Do not forget to say at the end of every prayer. Meaning before you make taslim. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrik. Wa shukrik wa husni ibadatik. O oh Allah, aid me upon remembering you and upon being grateful to you and upon worshipping you in a good manner. In the Fatiha, we say, Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. You alone, Allah, we worship. Or you, Allah, alone we worship and you, Allah, alone we seek for help. We worship Allah alone and we seek Allah's help alone. For what? For the ibadah. We seek Allah's help for the ibadah. Likewise in the adhan. When the mu'adhan. When the mu'adhan he says. Hayya ala salah. It's legislated that we say. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. And when the mu'adhan says. Hayya ala al-falah. It is legislated to say La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah This statement La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah There is no might or power except with Allah This is also a means of seeking help and aid from Allah Because when the mu'adhan is saying Come to the prayer, come to the prayer, come to success Come to success We are saying that There is no might and no power except with Allah Meaning Without the help of Allah Without Allah giving us the strength and the power We cannot answer this call So we are in need of the help from Allah to answer the call <coughs> How many people Hear Hayya ala salah And cannot answer the call Because of a sickness Or a disability and the person is hospital bound or bedridden 
and the person cannot answer the mu'addin. Or how many people hear the call and have the ability to go to the masjid, but Allah hasn't given the person the tawfiq. Allah hasn't given the person the success to have love for praying in jama'ah. So although they hear the adhan and have the ability to answer the call, meaning they're physically capable of going to the masjid, but Allah Azawajal has not put it in their hearts to answer the call. And this is due to a deviance that is with that person. If the individual does not have a valid excuse. So at the end of the day, there is no might and no power. There is no fulfilling of the acts of worship except that Allah Azawajal gives us the strength to worship Him. And Allah Azawajal gives us the success to use our strength to worship Him. So as it relates to the dhikr, the dhikr is not just dhikr with your tongue. Rather, the dhikr is done with the tongue and the heart together. For one to just remember Allah with the tongue but is not in the heart, then this is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. This is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. And how so? Anyone knows? How is this how is this from the characteristics of the munafiqeen? No, 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 no. Meaning that the dhikr is on the tongue but not in the heart. How is this? Allah says Allah Azza mentions and this is Suratul Nisa verse number one hundred and forty two Inna وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا يُرَاؤُونَ النَّاسِ وَلَا يَبْقُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Indeed the hypocrites seek to deceive Allah But Allah deceives them And when they stand up to pray They stand up lazily Showing off to the people And they only remember Allah a little bit The munafiq remembers Allah? Sheikh said a little bit. <laughs> As the verse says, a little bit. What's intended that they only remember Allah a little? The scholars mention, Fi salatihim la yakhsha'oon fiha. وَلَا يَدْرُونَ مَا يَقُولُونَ بَلْ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ لَاهُونَ That in their prayer they do not have khushur in their hearts. 
And they do not know what they're saying. Rather, in their prayer, they're like forgetful and it's like vain. They're forgetful and it's like vain. Meaning that they're going through the physical motions, but it's not in the heart. And as for them remembering Allah a little bit, it's their statement. Allahu Akbar. Semi Allahu liman hamida rabbina wa But they say it. Subhanu Rabbi al-Azim, Subhanu Rabbi al-A'la. When the munafiq makes salat, he says the words of the salat, right? He says it. He prays, but it's not in his heart. The point is he's showing off, as Allah mentions. He's showing off to the people. So the remembrance of Allah here is only verbally. It's only verbally. It's only them going through the motions of the Salah and saying the words of the Salah. But in reality, it's not in the heart. This, Allah says they, they remember Allah a little. This is, this is why I mentioned that when a person makes dhikr with the tongue alone and is not in the heart, this is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. Not that the person is a munafiq. This is from the characteristics. A person can have the characteristics of a munafiq, but not be a munafiq. How many Muslims lie? Lying is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. How many Muslims break their promises without justification? Breaking your promise without justification is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. How many Muslims betray the trust that's given to them. How many Muslims break their covenants? How many Muslims, when they argue and debate, they're corrupt and they're arguing? Meaning they don't accept the truth and they know better. Muslims have these characteristics. However, these characteristics are from the characteristics of the hypocrites. Also, from the characteristics of the hypocrites, is that they are lazy in their salat. Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions that. That when they stand up, وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا قُسَالًا And when they stand up for the prayer, they stand up in a lazy manner. The, the scholars of Tafsir say, هَذِهِ صِفَةُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي أَشْرَفِ الْأَعْمَالِ وَأَفْضَلِهَا وَخَيْرِهَا وَهِيَ الصَّلَاةِ إِذَا قَامُوا إِلَيْهَا قَامُوا وَهُمْ قُسَالًا عَنْهَا لِأَنَّهُمْ لَا نِيَّةَ لَهُمْ فِيهَا وَلَا إِيمَانَ لَهُمْ بِهَا وَلَا Look at all of this. This is from the characteristics of the hypocrites. And the most noble of the acts. And the best of the acts. And it is the prayer. When they stand up to make prayer, they stand up while they are lazy. As it relates to the prayer. They have no intention in the prayer. They have no faith in the prayer. For sure the Muslim has faith. But look, they have no fear of Allah in the prayer. And they, don't, and they don't understand the meaning of the prayer. They don't understand the meaning of the prayer. And it's mentioned that Abdullah bin Abbas, 
He says, Yukra an yakumur rajul wa an yakumur rajul ila salah wa huwa kaslan. It is disliked for the person to stand up in the prayer while he is lazy. وَلَكِنْ يَكُمْ إِلَيْهَا طَلْقُ الْوَجْهِ عَظِيمُ الرَّغْبَةِ شَدِيدُ الْفَرْحِ فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِيَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَامَهُ يَغْفِرْ لَهُ وَيُجِيبُهُ إِذَا دَعَاهُ ثُمَّ يَتْلُو إِبْنُ عَبَّاسِ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا قُسَالًا Ibn Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhumah he stated that the person should not stand up to the prayer while he's lazy. And this is why you find that if a person is like extremely tired, you should not pray in this state. An example, you wake up for tahajjud, but you're extremely tired to the point that you don't even realize what you're saying in your salat. Don't pray like this. Go back to sleep. Because perhaps you may say something that's wrong because of the drowsiness and the tiredness. You should not pray in this state. And also there was a fatwa that I read many years ago from Sheikh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, where he was asked about a person who works long, strenuous hours. And when he gets off in the morning... Uh, it's very difficult for him to pray like the the Dhuha and the Asa prayer in his proper time. It is, a, is it allowed for him to combine between Dhuha and Asa sometimes? And the Shaykh he mentioned yes. Sometimes it's allowed for him to combine between Dhuha and Asa because yes, because he so that he doesn't be in the Salat in a drowsy state, right? And he says what he doesn't know or what he doesn't understand that he's saying in the Salat. And it's better for him to, one, pray both prayers at the one time so that the prayers are prayed instead of him missing the Salat or praying the uh, Salat in that state of extreme drowsiness. But again, sometimes it's not to be done all the time. The point here, the Shahid here, is an individual not coming to the prayer in a state where he feels sluggish and lazy and he's not going to be remembering Allah not just with verbally but his heart is in it that's the point here his heart so Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah he said that the person when he goes to pray he should have like a happy face he shall have like a magnificent state of desiring the reward of Allah. He should be extremely happy because he is speaking to Allah privately. And Allah is in front of him, forgiving him, and answering him when he calls upon him. And then Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he recited the statement of Allah azawajal, وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا kusala. And when they stand up to the prayer, they stand up in the, a statement that is in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a state that is lazy, and this is their outward state. 
that they stand up and they, they lazy and they're sluggish when it comes to the prayer. As Allah Azawajal He mentions, وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاءِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ kusala, And they do not come to the prayer except that they are lazy and sluggish. That's their outward state. In their inward state, يُرَاؤُونَ nas. They're showing off to the people. Their hearts are not involved. So when making dhikr, dhikr is with the tongue and the heart. And we remember Allah Azawajal by mentioning Him and magnifying Him. And from the best of the words of the dhikr and the most beloved of the words of dhikr to Allah, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Also, Subhanallah wa bihamdi, Subhanallah al-Azim. These two statements are light upon the tongue, but heavy upon the scales. As the Prophet sallallahu mentioned, Kalimatan, Khafifatan, ala lisan, Thaqilatan, Filmizan, Kalimatan, Habibatan, ila rahman Khafifatan, ala lisan, Thaqilatan, Filmizan, Subhanallah wa bihamdi Subhanallah al-Azim And that's the last hadith that's in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari Anyone knows why? Another reason Anyone knows why that's the last hadith In the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari The first hadith In Sahih al-Bukhari is what? Innama al-a'mal bin-niyat and the actions are by the intentions. And this narration is only mentioned on Umar ibn al-Khattab. It is a hadith that is Ahad. And likewise, the last hadith in Bukhari is hadith Ahad. So Bukhari, rahimahullah, he wanted to begin with a narration that is Ahad. And to end with a narration that is Ahad. Refuting the people of innovation who do not accept the 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 ahadith that are ahad, meaning those narrations that are not narrated on many companions, but rather a few of uh, companions, or maybe one companion, or two or three. But the shahid is that the the words Subhanallah wa bihamni Subhanallah al-Azim, they are beloved to Allah. Easy to say, but heavy on the scales of good on the day of judgment. Easy to say, but heavy on the scales. And another narration, the Prophet mentioned, Subhanallah, it fills these scales, and it fills the heavens and the earth. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanallah, al-azim. And it's easy to make dhikr. Look what the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi to one companion. Would you love to have a 1,000 good deeds in a day and 1,000 sins removed? Of course. The Prophet said, say subhanallah 100 times. Now if any one of us was asked, would you like $1,000 a day? No one is going to turn this down, right? $1,000 a day. You have a job that's that's paying $1,000 a day. All you have to do is say subhanallah 100 times. We'll start where we're working overtime. (laughs) Can we say more and get more money? 
If there was a financial reward, wallahi, none of us would miss that. Nobody's going to miss out on his $1,000 in a day. But for sure, that which is with Allah is greater than $1,000. 1,000 rewards on your scales of good, 1,000 sins removed, subhanAllah. Just for saying, subhanAllah, 100 times. And, it, and, and to be honest with you, it doesn't even take 5 minutes to say it. And I'm saying, saying it at a, a, a decent pace, not rushing through the dhikr. That's not dhikr. Take your time. The scholars have spoken against it. This is not dhikr. What is Subhanallah. 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 You have to say the word. And let your heart be present and involved in your dhikr. Minor, for sure. As for the major sins, then the major sins are in need of tawbah. But there are some actions that erase minus, that embrace major sins, like hajj and hijrah and accepting Islam. So you have some deeds that, if done, it wipes out the major sins. But normally, when you see in the narration that he is forgiven of his sins if he does such and such or this act wipes out the sins he's forgiven for meaning the minor sins no. insha'Allah ta'ala provided that you fulfill the conditions of Tawbah and the conditions of Tawbah are eight in number number one Islam you have to be a Muslim Number two, ikhlas, you have to have sincerity. Number three, waqt. you have to repent before the time of repentance is over. And that's two times. One is death, and the other is when the sun rises from the west. Whichever one happens, the time for tawbah has ended. The door is closed. Number four, al-ikla' and al-dham. Leaving off the sin. Number five, uh, anadim, regret. You have to be sorry for what you did. Number six, al atiraf. You have to acknowledge what you did was wrong. Why these two? No, it's not the same. Regret and acknowledgement is not the same. Sometimes a person does something, I'm going to give you an example to show. Sometimes a person does something wrong. The person says, I know what I did was wrong, but I don't regret it. Right? Right. He knows he's wrong. He acknowledges what he did was wrong, but he doesn't have regret. And then sometimes the opposite. A person feels sorry for what has taken place, but he says, but I wasn't wrong. Right or wrong, huh? You see, Wallah, you see people, they do, they do this, they say these things. I'm, I'm sorry this happened this way, but I wasn't wrong. That's not repentance. So Toba, and then you have the text, and then for sure this is based upon text. The Prophet وسلم, said, Ad Nadamu Toba. Regret is Toba. 
Also in the Sayyidul Istighfar, the master of seeking forgiveness of Allah, that dua has within it, وَأَبُوءُ لَكَ بِذَنْبِ And O oh Allah, I acknowledge to you my sin. وَأَبُوءُ لَكَ بِذَنْبِ I acknowledge to you my sin. Also, the dua that the Prophet taught Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to say, اللهم إني ظلمت نفسي ظلما كثيرا That's acknowledgement. Oh Allah, indeed, I have wronged myself with a lot of oppression, a lot of wrongdoing. Also the dua of Yunus alayhi salam. لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين This is acknowledgement of your sin. This is acknowledgement. So you, you have a nadam and you have al-i'tiraf. Five and uh, six. Number seven, al-azm ala adami ruju'iladam. Having the firm resolve that you're not going to go back to the sin. This is a part of Tawbah. And number eight is related to if you've done wrong to someone, at-tahallul min al-madalim. That you fix the wrong that you have done to people. So these are the conditions of Tawbah. If a person makes Tawbah with the conditions, the Tawbah is accepted no matter what the sin is. As for a shukr we will end with this point. A shukr is three categories. A shukr bil qalb, a shukr bil lisan, وَالشُّكْرِ بِالْجَوَارِحِ Being showing gratitude to Allah with the heart Showing gratitude to Allah with the tongue And showing gratitude to Allah with the actions As for showing gratitude to Allah with the heart It is acknowledging that whatever blessing we have It is from Allah وَمَا بِكُمْ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ Whatever blessing you have, it is from Allah. And as for showing gratitude with the tongue, it is thanking Allah and mentioning the, the favor of Allah upon you. وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ And as for the blessing of your Lord upon you, then mention it. Meaning to those who you love and they love you, not to everyone. Also, the words of gratitude, of saying verbally, O oh Allah, I thank you for your bounties upon me. And other than that, and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is uh, when you receive a ni'mah. You know, Alhamdulillah, alladhi min ni'matihi tutimmu as-salihat. All praise is due to Allah, who by way of him the good things or the blessings are completed and other than these are words of gratitude and then we show gratitude to Allah with our physical actions that we use what Allah has given us to worship Him by way of it and to get closer to Him if Allah has blessed you with wealth you make hajj that's showing gratitude Allah bless you with wealth you pay your zakat that's showing gratitude Allah has blessed you with wealth, you take care of your family as you're supposed to. That's showing gratitude. Allah Azawajal has blessed you to be able to read Arabic, you read the Quran. The Quran. That's showing gratitude. Allah blessed you to memorize the Quran, you practice it. 
and you teach it to others. The best of you are those who learn the Quran and teach it. Allah Azawajal has given you strength, so you go ahead and walk to the masjid to make salat and congregation. This is showing gratitude for your health. Allah has given you sight. You don't look at the haram. Allah has given you hearing. You don't listen to the haram. This is showing gratitude with your body parts. And for the blessings that Allah has given you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He mentions in the verse. Remember me and I will remember you. And the one who doesn't remember Allah. Is like a dead person. As the Prophet sallallahu mentioned, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْقُرْ رَبَّ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْقُرْ رَبَّ كَمَثَلِ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّدِ That the example of the one who remembers his Lord and the one who does not remember his Lord is like the example of the living and the dead. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Khayyim al-Jawziya, he said, regarding this verse, if there was no other reward for remembering Allah, Except that Allah will remember you Then this would be sufficient as a reward Allah says remember him and he will remember you SubhanAllah That's the good. That reward is sufficient in itself Not counting the other rewards But that alone is enough As a reward For remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Allah commands us to be grateful And not be ungrateful For when you are grateful Allah will increase you لَإِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ And if you are grateful, I will surely give you more. I will surely increase you. A promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for showing gratitude that He will give us more than what He has given us. Inshallah ta'ala, I'll stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. وَسُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمْ وَبِحَمْدِكَ أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب جزاكم الله خير. yes. yes. سبحان الله أحسن الله إليك. in English it has the meaning of glory be to Allah and how far Allah is from any imperfection. It entails two matters. It entails magnifying Allah, establishing that Allah is the glorious for him, and it also is establishing that Allah doesn't have any mistakes. Allah is free from any imperfections, any errors. So this is what's meant when we say Subhanallah. And as for Alhamdulillah, then this is all of the praises due to Allah Azawajal. And the praise is for Allah because Allah is perfect and complete. The praise is for Allah because Allah is perfect and complete. He has no imperfections. He has no faults. Allah Azawajal has no deficiencies. So for that reason we praise Allah. He's entitled to be praised. And the second reason why we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is for the blessings that He has bestowed upon us. This is why Allah is due and deserving of all of the praise. As for La ilaha illallah, 
Then the meaning is none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah. And this is the statement of Tawheed, which is built upon negation and affirmation. Negating the worship from anyone or anything besides Allah and affirming it for Allah as Azawajal alone. And Allahu Akbar, yani Allah is the greatest. There's nothing greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the statement of Allahu Akbar and subhanAllah, we make these statements when we see something magnificent. We say subhanAllah or Allahu Akbar is legislated to say these words of remembrance during these times. Or if someone sees something that is wrong or evil, or someone makes a statement that's inappropriate, we say Allahu Akbar out of like amazement. Like, how can I? This person make this statement, or oh, subhanAllah. How can a person make a statement like this? So these are these these four words or wordings or words of dhikr are the most beloved to Allah. And these are the meanings. And a person, the more he remembers Allah, the further the shaitan is away from him. Because when you the more you make dhikr, you're like building a fortress around yourself. These atkar that the Prophet taught to us to say is for our protection. As an example, when you say before leaving your home, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, is a protection for you when you leave your home from against the shayateen. Waikum salam. And when you say Bismillah before entering into your home, this protects your home from the shayateen entering into your home. And when you say Bismillah before you eat, this protects you from having shaitan eating the food with you. And when you say Bismillah before you drink, this protects you from having shaitan drinking with you. And when you go to have relations with your wife, and you say Bismillah, Allahumma jannibna shaitan wa jannib shaitan ma razaqtana. You have to learn that one for sure. What the Prophet says, if Allah decrees that a child comes from that union, the shaitan will not be able to harm that child. Look how the afkar is a protection for us and even for the unborn child. The child is not even born yet. But the protection is there. Because the father, he made the dua before having relations with his wife. And the ulama, they say, it's allowed for the woman to say it. But normally, this is, this is legislated for the man to say. Don't forget the afkar. We wonder why we have fitna in our house. Possibly because we forgot to say Bismillah and now the shayateen are in the house with us. But we wonder why the child has grown up in the child, Allah Musta'an, you know, the child is unruly. Maybe we forgot to say that dua at the time of relations. Don't underestimate the, dhikr, the power of the dhikr of Allah. So the, the dhikr is your protection. It is your fortress. You see that book, The Fortress of the Muslim? Why do you think it's called The Fortress of the Muslim? Because the, the afkar that are in it is the protection. That's the reason why the, that book of du'as is called The Fortress of the Muslim because those words of remembrance are a means of protection. Are a means of protection. When you see someone who is afflicted, 
which you say, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi Afani Minha, Mimma Talakabi wa Faddalani ala kafir mimman khalaqa tafdila. When you say that, inshallah, you're not going to be afflicted by that person's calamity or affliction. Look how you're protected. And there are so many adhkar that we are encouraged to make, or ayat from the Qur'an we are encouraged to recite. And the verses of the Qur'an is, is, is remembrance of Allah when we recite. When you recite Surah Al-Baqarah, the shaitan does not remain in the home where Surah Al-Baqarah is recited in. Recite an ayatul kursi when you go to bed at night. Allah sends a protector to you until the morning. You know, our children at times complain of nightmares. Teach them to recite ayatul kursi before going to bed at night. And going to bed upon wudu. And other than that, these things are protected. Wallahi, the deen is a protection for the Muslim. It's a physical protection and is a spiritual protection. Mental protection, emotional. The deen protects us from all types of harms, whether tangible or abstract. But we have to, we have to implement it. Wallahi, it is. There's no religion on the face of the earth like Islam. Islam is the complete way of life. You find in other religions some matters of good. We find that. We don't deny this. But they fall short. They're incomplete. First and foremost, because they have with them a shirk billah, which is the worst crime. And then, those other religions doesn't, do not cover every aspect of life. You ask the Christian, what Prayer is legislated, not one you made up for putting on your clothes, for going to the bathroom, from leaving the bathroom, before you have relations, uh, before you leave your home, entering into the home, before you eat. They may have some things and then many other things they're not going to have anything. But in Islam, when you look at the books that the scholars have authored and the narrations they have compiled, when you look at the index, you see every aspect of life. What you say when you put on your clothes, what you say when you wake up in the morning, what you say when you go to sleep, what you say when you go to the bathroom, which you see basically every aspect of life. And this is the, the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us that he has guided us to Islam. This deen is the best. This deen is complete. This deen is the deen that Allah has chosen for us and He is pleased with. This is why Allah mentions, وَمَن يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And Allah mentions, إِنَّ الدِّينَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الْإِسْلَامِ Whoever desires a deen other than Al-Islam, it will never be accepted from him. And in the hereafter, he'll be from amongst the losers. And Allah says elsewhere, indeed, the deen with Allah is Al-Islam. جزاكم الله خير وسبحانك الله وحمدك وشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأنت yes if the ulama have been asked this question about praying with your eyes closed they mention the origin is not to pray with your eyes closed because this is from the actions of the Jews 
However, if one cannot maintain his khushur and his focus in the prayer except by closing his eyes, then, it's, then in this case, it is allowed for the person to close his eyes to maintain the khushur in the prayer and the focus in the prayer. Wallahu a'lam. Jazakum Allah.